You know why I'm so passionate about Music to Code By? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you, who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than four bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only three bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1356, with guest Dustin Metzger. Recorded Friday, September 16th, 2016. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And welcome back to the continuing story of Richard's uh, basement woes. <laughs> well, when, when is this coming out? October? So, like, we're within a month of the flood. You had a flood down there. In November little, of 2015. Yeah. Little water now, got backed up and it came up, I don't know what, a couple of feet into your basement? Uh, inches. Only inches. What? So, I mean, very little content damage. Just a couple of inches of water. Wow. But... All of the drywall's wet, so you got to call all the drywall. All the flooring's right. ruined, so you got to remove all the flooring. Uh. Turned out we had some old asbestos tile that we'd buried under some some carpet, but the flood had loosened it all, so we had to have an abatement, which is a great term for paying less intelligent people a lot of money to put up plastic wrap and vacuum the crap out of things and take away the evil stuff. But So wow. that's all done. But then, you know, I'm married to the kind of woman, and you've met her whose reaction to a disaster like this is to roll out the plants and say, so what renovations did you want to make? Right. And so we changed four rooms. I switched over to lumen cash lighting, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, and you know, the funny part is we're actually, now I've rebuilt my office with the intent to record podcasts. What a great idea. We should do that. We you know? should do that. Yeah. So I've done that. Yeah. Good. And uh, But at the moment, we sort of left my office last. Right, the the rec room's done. The laundry room looks great. The guest room's all set up. You stayed in that room, yeah. And my wife has built a new office, so she's actually moved out of our shared office. She has her own, and it's beautiful, mm -hmm. teak and and uh, and white melamine. It's beautiful. It's really a lovely office. But my office has been left last, and I, of course, I'm still trying to work in here. So I keep bringing in some technology and tweaking it up to make it run, and just sort of putting it in place. Nothing's particularly organized. I looked around the room this morning and said, mm -hmm. you know what it looks like in here. It looks like R2-D2 threw up all over the place. It's like there was a big droid party in here, and it got out of hand, and it's just electronic barf on every surface. <laughs> or, or something else. Yeah. Or something Jeez. else. Something came out of all this electronic stuff. But, you know, there's a latte panda here, and there's an H6 over there. I got a motherboard spooled up doing some tests to see if I can retrofit it in a new case. Like, it's just parts everywhere. I've ordered a latte panda. You've awesome. convinced me. Yep. They're very, very, they're very cute and cool. I will see what happens with them. But, uh, hey, before I ask you about your comment, I just want to mention to anybody who might be in the Watertown, Massachusetts area, uh, on next Wednesday, which is going to be the 12th of October. If you're interested in learning about how I reversed my diabetes and lost all this weight and did it pretty easily without drugs and in exercise, just, uh, Check it out. Give me an email, carl at franklins.net. All right. That's it. Awesome. Yeah. How about a better know framework? How about a better know framework? All right, dude. What do you got? So, you know how you always say, Richard, that in the past, machines were like pets. And, you know, that you had these pets, you had these servers, and you had to constantly feed and water them and update Take care and patch of them, yeah. them and replace their hard drives and all that stuff. Keep them happy. Keep them happy. And now in the cloud, you know, servers are like cattle. You want to focus on the configuration, 
so that you can spin one up, use it, spin it down easily. That you're sort of a rancher, right? Yeah, I've I've stopped patching things. Right now, I just build new ones with the new configuration and blow the old one up. Well, it turns out there's a tool for managing and deploying containers in production. It's called Rancher. Ah, uh, nice. I swear Rancher. to God, this is, this is gaining a lot of traction lately. So rancher.com or of course, 1356.pwop.me. Rancher is a complete open source platform for deploying and managing containers in production. It oh, includes cool. commercially supported distributions of Kubernetes, Mesos, and Docker Swarm, making it easy to run containerized applications on any infrastructure. What a good idea. I'm kind of amazed it hadn't happened before. Yeah, it's that it probably has. And, you know, this is just it's the cream floating to the top kind of thing. Well, and it's also working cross concern. Yeah. So many folks have focused purely on Docker. Mm -hmm. There's always been Mesosphere. And now, you know, I mean, Kubernetes with what Google's doing with .NET and stuff like this is really exciting. So yep. the idea that I could manage it all, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, kind of like a service fabric thing. Weird. Almost. Weird. Almost. What? 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 Huh? Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Who's talking to us, Richard? Uh, grabbed a comment off of show 1062, which we recorded back in 2014. We were talking to Scott Ford about taking over brownfield applications. Yep. You know, just this idea of the care and feeding of code. And what was really interesting, this came out, there's a lot of comments on the show. Yeah. But it came out that there's a whole culture of folks that, you know, maintenance of projects is fun too. Uh, not, it's, it's not all about the, the the blank screen, right? And this is Jeff Gray's comment from a couple of years ago now. Uh, refreshing to hear someone so passionate about maintaining code. It made me laugh remembering a consulting gig I fulfilled many years ago. The client complained that each time they added a new window, everything got slower. Hmm. This was in an early version of <coughs> Power Builder. What? <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, I have Darth Vader in my oh, head. Power I Builder. Yeah. You know, people made a lot of money off. I didn't, I wasn't a power builder guy. I was a D-base guy, but. You but you're know. right. You're right. People yeah. did make a lot of money off power Hugely builder. Hugly productive product. It, yep. it, it was, that was one of the first wave of gooey 4Gs that yeah. got people building stuff. Even before access, there was power building. Yeah. And the client had misunderstood how to use visual inheritance. Okay. The idea that visual inheritance was ever a good idea. Yeah. All widgets, which I presume are controls, were on the superclass window and then made visible or invisible on each of the descendants. Yeah. Let's think about that for just a minute. No. So basically he had the window of all controls. Yeah. And he would literally compose them dynamically. So every time you added a window, everything got worse. Hmm. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I can see if you have a compositing system like XAML, you know, WPF, but... In, yeah, in the browser? Yeah, I don't know. No. But, you know, these are the things we did in PowerBuild. Just because you had a 4G tool didn't mean you use it right. Yeah. And so he goes on to say, with a small amount of work, the client was happy, a.k.a. stop doing that. And I completed the assignment coming across like a programming god. Good times. All right. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, there's there's power to to uh, tweaking and improving existing projects. There's lots to be done there. So, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NETrocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And uh, send us a tweet. Because uh, Richard plugs the holes in his floor with him. <laughs> I needed those holes. They let the water drain back out again. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to bring on our guest, Dustin Metzgar. He has developed software professionally for 13 years now. He worked in both startups and large enterprises before joining Microsoft. And he focuses on .NET and Azure services and has participated in several .NET Core projects. Currently, Dustin owns several products, including the Windows Workflow Foundation. Wow. Yep. He's also writing .NET Core in Action for Manning Publications, which is currently available for early access, which is as of this recording, uh, which is September 16th. Welcome, Dustin. Hi, Carl. Hi, Richard. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing very well, and uh, glad to be here. <laughs> We've exchanged a lot of emails over the years, but I don't think you've ever been on the show before. No, I haven't. I mean, I, you know, every now and then I'll write in and uh, make a comment on the show, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, just recently I I thought 
it would be interesting to kind of go over some of the things that my team does. Uh, and, and it does kind of uh, hook in with the comment that you were reading earlier about um, uh, the Brownfield application sure. with, uh, with Scott Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, basically it's, our, my team does the same thing, but we do it at Microsoft with uh, some Microsoft products. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you work on workflow. Is work, mm-hmm. Workflow is not part of .NET Core as far as I know. No, it's not. Uh, it's, uh, we experimented with um, converting it. Uh, there's some dependencies that it has that, uh, you know, that, that we would really need those to be there in order to be able to make workflow work uh, completely. Uh, but some, some things will, will work. It's just not good enough for for most of the customers that use Workflow now. Sure. Well, and it's one so, of the things that Microsoft's known for is it's sort of transparent upgrade. It either works completely or don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I had kind of an idea to, of kind of how to start off introducing what my what my group does. Uh, yeah. This is no to 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 give you an idea. I I am part of this group. I am not the the owner of the whole group. It's uh, it's about. Okay. Uh, 50 people or so that are at Microsoft. Um, so I'm going to list uh, some product names from Microsoft, and I want you to kind of think about what they all have in common. Um, so we'll start off a uh, link to SQL, web forms, classic ASP, Visual Basic for applications, velocity caching, hmm. BizTalk, hmm. and MSMQ. Whole bunch of old technology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, relatively speaking. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, not bad technology. Like, no. there hasn't been a lot that has changed in MSMQ in recent years, but there's not a lot to change. It does its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so basically all these products, the, 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 like, the common line between them is, um, you know, Microsoft says nothing about them. Right. Uh, we still have tons of customers that use them, mm-hmm. and it's still supported. Uh, and it, you know, it's supported for quite a while. So, are you not adding new features to these things? Like, what what is what is your actual role on them then? Uh, for some, uh, we add new features. So, uh, like for instance, we own IS right now, right? And IS, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like for for Windows Nano Server, we're Porting IIS to work on Windows Nano. Wow! But nice. then you have something like um, like the IIS administration is always done through that big clunky GUI tool that they have there. Right, and that's not going to run on Nano. Yeah, it, it's not, and it's uh, so what they've actually done is um, they, they've come up with this kind of clever. It's a microservice. It runs alongside of IIS and it does the management, and um, it's 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 beautiful. I, I I don't know how to describe it. It's like uh, they do a, a whole REST interface with this, and then they have a, created an Angular application on top of that that uh, you can use, you know, on your phone or on your desktop, and you can, uh, you know, administer like multiple IS uh, sites just with this uh, this one application. It's uh, uh, it's it's pretty cool. I'll see if I can find a, a link or something for it that you guys can check out. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, the the products that that my group owns, it's, uh, it's, it's quite an impressive list for, for 50 people. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can start walking through these. So like, um, MSDTC, mm-hmm. system.transactions, IS, MSMQ, ASP.NET before core, entity framework before core, link to SQL, the WCF, Workflow, yeah. App Fabric, Workflow Manager, ASMX, .NET Remoting, Data Contract Serializer, Visual Basic for Applications, Office Developer Tools, Visual Studio Tools for Office, Visual Studio Tools for Applications, Click Once, and Light Switch. Wow. <laughs> now, are the yeah, it's like one hand I think uh, are these products all banished to Siberia? Like right. <laughs> Uh, it's, I, 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 I'm the one thing I can think about all of those products is you have no marketing team around any of them. Right. Yes. There's a, it, like a lot of them, it's, they have an established customer base and right. they have a, um, you know, those customers are paying for support and we are supporting the, those people and we're, um, 
we'll do bug fixes and you know if there are some some critical features that we want to add uh, say like with IIS then 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 we will do that uh, so it's uh, we have kind of like a lot of these brownfield projects and uh, you know some of them you know we really love uh, we'd like to make you know and be able to invest more time in but uh, it's not a you know we don't really have the resources available all the time but uh, right yeah I'd, so I, yeah I wanted to give you kind of the the sense of like you know there are a lot of products within Microsoft that as they age they get shifted around and they lose people and then you know there's no actual communication outside of Microsoft nobody really knows what's going on with that project uh, and then some some of those actually uh, end up on our team and uh, then we're the ones responsible for for support and contacting customers and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. What's the uh, biggest challenge that you find? Is it inside, you know, working on stuff or is it dealing with the public? What's the bigger challenge? Uh, I would say it's with the working on things, it's, it's kind of the time management. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that you want to do and there's so many things that, you know, have deadlines and it's, uh, it's trying to prioritize, uh, everything and, you know, see what comes out. And, um, so say like IIS, we want to get it on nano and that's a, it's a, uh, a big thing. So we want to put some resources on that and then we might have to take resources away from something else that, uh, we would like to work on. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting team to be on because you have this kind of huge library of things that you can work on. There's Windows components and uh, .NET components and Azure services and uh, you know, and just a lot of uh, uh, variation. And there's a lot of uh, uh, areas that you can get very deep into. Um, right. And it gives you some exposure. You know, it's 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 quite an interesting place to work. But with only fifty people. Like, actually, that's a lot of programmers. If you don't have a lot of the, the typical ceremony around uh, a product, right, with the sheer number of PMs and gathering requirements and so forth, like, mm-hmm. I could think you'd get a lot done. You'd have a lot on your plate. But I mean, where are you getting your direction from? Like, well, what actually motivates you to work on any given thing? Um, so uh, the biggest motivation is always, you know, when we get a customer request in. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. customer reports a bug and then we'll investigate and make changes. And is it mostly bug uh, fixing then? Um, yeah, that, I'd say that's like the number one thing that that motivates us to do things. And the uh, behind that would be something that we want to do on our own. Right. Uh, uh, so take like uh, the workflow stuff. We, you know, we tried out moving workflow to core. We, you know, wanted to experiment with it and see if it would work. Mm. Um, that was something we, we basically just wanted to do on our own and, and see if it, it would be worth doing. Uh, there's no real, like, you know, there's not customers like screaming at us to move workflow to, to core or anything like that. Right. Mm. I would think that a new operating system represents a very large bug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I'm wondering how much of your time with like when I look at stuff like MSMQ and IIS and so forth is how much of that time is dedicated to dealing with Server 2016? Uh, uh, quite a bit actually, because like when they do a new Windows Server release uh, or even a Windows client release, we have to test everything, and then right. you know they do it in kind of iterations, and we have to test every single iteration, and uh, so there's there's an awful lot of testing involved, and we do get a lot of help because we use um, like uh, external vendors right. to run a lot of our tests. So it's not like these 50 people are, are developing and testing everything at the same time. Um, so yeah, every time we get a new uh, Windows version, it's uh, uh, there's there's lots of little things that they'll change that will break things. And um, even if it's um, a Windows update. So to give you an example, um, we own classic ASP. Right. Uh, NIS. And uh, there was a Windows update maybe uh, sometime earlier this year, and it broke um, Classic ASP. And uh, yeah, you I remember would think that, that that's, that's not... It, like, this is old technology. This is using. 90s technology <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think there's not a whole lot of people using it. 
Hmm. So how much screaming did you hear, Dustin? It was it was immediate and it was it was loud. Uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! As if as if millions of people suddenly cried out and then was silent. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a disturbance in the forest, is what you're saying. Like, you just yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing because you don't like for a lot of the products that Microsoft has these these like free products that you know it's it's IS it comes with Windows Server and it's classic ASP and it comes with IS and, yeah right uh, you you don't pay for it so uh, besides paying for Windows Server so yes um, we don't really know how many customers we have usually for some of these old things so we don't they don't have telemetry and that kind of thing in them um, so when it, it's like you only hear about it when something goes wrong and. You know, in this case, something did go wrong and we heard like, you know, it's like, wow, there's this many customers still doing classic ASP. It's it's really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And, and the only way and it's the old trick. Right. I remember being a good IT guy because when I'm good, nobody calls. Right. So I just mm-hmm. turn a server off. I get a phone call every time. <laughs> so you got a phone call. Many, many phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> I get lonely. Turn off server. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so this, you know, maybe we need to just talk about how development's done internal to Microsoft because I got to think, like testing IIS, that is not a small problem. No, it's not. Um, actually, uh, for testing IIS and say like testing ASP.NET, they they have this kind of dedicated lab. It's a lot of um, you know, a lot of hardware and right. Uh, they've set things up so that it kind of it kind of runs on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, every time we make a change, it you know it deploys into the environment and it runs uh, a full suite of tests, like performance tests, uh, stress tests, things like that. Right. Uh, but in the case of the example you just cited, where ASP broke because of an update, to mm-hmm. was it an update to Windows or an update to IIS? It's an update to Windows. All right. So, I mean, the question is, why didn't that get caught in the test suite? So, it's, uh, yeah, that's a good question that, our managers always ask, like, <laughs> why do I catch this now? Because uh, right. so, I'm like, sure you catch a lot of things. Like, nobody notices the many, many things you do catch. They only notice the ones you don't. Yeah, and it's, you know, for, for a lot of, like, Windows updates, uh, there's a lot of those that come out, and it's 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 almost impossible to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after a while, like if you've had a product for a long time, you're, you're, you're kind of wondering, like I'm running these tests every single windows update. And then, um, I'm getting nothing out of it. Like everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. 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 So then you start, you know, kind of, okay, we're going to reduce the frequency of this and we're going to, you know, cut this down a little bit so we can save some money and, uh, have less resources on it. But yeah, it'd be interesting to look at the price tag of that lab for, you know, ASP and stuff, like just what that costs (laughs) annually. Yeah, and it's you know it's all hardware. It's not like a cloud thing, and no. they have their own network and all that stuff. It's it's uh, and every it's one of those fans and every one of those spindles is aging, right? Like mm-hmm. this stuff's gonna fail and it needs to be replaced too. So it's it's an ongoing capital expenditure because it was mm-hmm. all built before before Azure. Yeah, yeah, and they also move it in between buildings every now and then, which is really annoying. That's terrifying, too, because most <laughs> machines, when turned off, then break, right? Mm-hmm. Like, your highest risk to a computer is when it's not continuously running in the happy place it's been, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. How many labs are like that? Like, we, you, you know, we're looking at this big list of products, DTC and, and, and EF and so forth. Like, I imagine virtually none of these things are up in the cloud. Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. So IS and ESP.NET, they have their own lab. WCF has its own lab. Workflow has its own lab. Uh, a lot of these, like, uh, like say, Visual Studio components that we work on, I mean, they they can run on a on a cloud system. Right. But also, the, the like, the problem is um, we, we typically need to have domain access um, to the machine in order right. to, to run the tests. So... Um, for a lot of these, it's like they stay in a lab before for a long time before going to Azure because you know we'd have to figure out the Azure Active Directory stuff and get everything hooked up so that it would work correctly, and it's uh, it's a lot more hassle than um, trying to just keep the lab running. Uh, so things that could move to Azure, uh, we we typically you know 
don't do it unless we really have a compelling reason to do so. Although, I mean, the most compelling reason would be to retire that lab and, and just utilize utility computing for it. Like, I got to think that would be a big incentive. We're going to, we're responsible for 10 years of care and feeding for this app. Let's make it as painless as possible. Yeah. And I think usually when the machines start to break down, it's like, well, can we move this off of this machine and into the cloud? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing like, uh, like a, a, you know, a six figure bill for new hardware to incur, you know, how cheap the cloud actually is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's much better running in, in Azure it's, uh, than the, the hardware that we have here. Yeah, sure. But it, that's always the case. But I, and I appreciate that you have testing infrastructure for all these different apps and you're going to keep, you know, folks talk about how, Hey, when a product falls off there to the mainstream, but still has a lot of people using it, like just open source it. It'll be fine. But you guys put a lot of energy into keeping these existing products healthy. I feel sad for light switch. I never thought it had a chance to really live. <laughs> I don't want to t- say too much about Lightswitch because we just we just took it over. Sure. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what I can say without getting into trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I would think in your position, you just don't comment on products. Like, that, it's just a hazard for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm perfectly yeah. willing to allow you to mess up your career on the show, Dustin. That's a, you know, we'll, we'll do that for you. Feel free. Perfectly happy. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, man. It's time to pull up a random mid-show joke from my old humor database. Check nice. this out. Yeah, I wrote this in Access years ago. Let me push the button and what? Corrupt file? Hey, is someone else using my joke database? <laughs> no, you can only use one at a time, man. How many times do I have to tell you guys? <laughs> oh, man. That's an old joke right there. That is a really old joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I saw a whole bunch of developers with PTSD just got uh, shivers. Oh, God. Yeah. But you, it's- you probably crashed some cars. I want you to know that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Call AAA. You'll be okay. It's, everything's going to be fine. Right. You've hurt people, Carl. You have to be careful with those gotta, old jokes. Uh, with power comes responsibility. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's actually time to give away a Component One Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Grape City Active Reports. Richard Active Reports. Yeah. .NET Rocks. They go together like bread and butter. These the were the original f- sponsor. That's right. Back when they were Data Dynamics, they were the yeah. first sponsor of .NET Rocks. And Active Reports is still the best reporting platform for all your business needs. Design, publish, view, print, and export operational reports, such as invoices, expense reports, tax, and government forms, as well as strategic and analytical reports, such as sales performance, budgeting, and revenue analysis. Active Reports gives you the operation and flexibility you need to turn your data into informative, pixel-perfect reports across the enterprise. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Tom Albin. Congratulations, Tom. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Tom. And Tom just won the Component 1 Studio. That includes Active Reports, but it includes just about everything else that Component 1 does, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. You know you got to sign up to win. If you don't know what we're doing here, we just gave it away. Go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. It's getting to be fall, Richard. We got to start thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we get to think about it several times a week, right? We, well, mostly we ask other people to think about it for us. Yeah. And if you're not in the fan club, this is a great time, man. All you got to do is just answer some questions and you're in and you get a chance to win this $5,000 spree. We also like to ask our guests, Dustin, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what do you think you would buy? So I was thinking about this because... Um I think um, Richard might be able to to help me out with this one. Uh, I was actually interested in getting one of those Tesla Powerwalls. Ooh. Oh, so the, like I already have uh, like solar panels on my house, and I have I have a single inverter, and I get you know I get partial shading every now and then. I was kind of wondering, you know, 
I can either go to microinverters or uh, I was kind of wondering if it was possible to hook up the the Powerwall battery to the to the solar array in such a way that it could kind of I could have different banks of panels and uh, something something to kind of mitigate the the issue with the partial shading. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons the whole microinverter thing, so that you can actually have different pieces of your panels handled differently. It's just that microinverters cost more, so you're sort of raising your rate. And it is a fairly normal configuration to have a set of solar panels with a set of inverters with a battery bank of some kind, typically lead acid, mm-hmm. uh, that you are charging and discharging from. And you, and you know, the whole goal of the Powerwall really is to take you out of peak power right, is to provide three and a half kilowatts and typically enough for a house for an hour at the peak power consumption time, right? Like the Elon's vision was we can turn off a coal power plant if enough people run this thing so that we reduce peak power consumption. The challenge is, you know, it's funny, I'm just ripping on this because I just worked through this in detail with an off-the-grid house. And he was saying, well, you know, what, what it, you know, we're looking at how big five kilowatts of lead acid battery is. And it's a lot compared to a five kilowatt Tesla battery, which is substantially small. And he's like, well, why wouldn't we all use Tesla batteries? It's like, well, one of the challenges is lead acid is deeply understood. We know how long it will last. We know how to maintain it properly. We actually have built into our charging conditioning systems, systems to maintain those batteries for you. And we just don't know as much about the Tesla batteries. So, you know, for an off-the-grid house, I said, like, stick with your lead acids because you actually depend on this. It's important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for just knocking out that hour a a day, the Tesla's a great choice because it's just so compact for what it is. But you will have to upgrade your switching gear to to include a battery in the loop. I see. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. You know, it's like 3,000-something for the the Powerwall, and then probably the rest is all, you know, installation. Infrastructure. (laughs) Well, and it's a whole thing of, you know, how do you charge it? And, and uh, you know, what does the Tesla take on? When does it take it on? And the inverter. And the, But the really interesting idea is typically these things are set up so it's like when it's available, use it. When it's not available, don't worry about it. But this idea that at peak power consumption, you're going to deliberately switch and drain that battery. And that battery design, the power, that particular power wall design, although there's two different ones, one's a backup battery and one's a daily battery. I mean, it's meant to be discharged every day. And since mm. typically peak power consumption is like dinner time, it's going to stay discharged yeah. overnight until the sun comes up and you recharge it the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different problem than what is typical for, for most battery systems. Hey, Dustin, I got to ask you, sir, what is the latest product to come under your tutelage? And after you answer that one, answer me this. What do you think the next one will be? Um, so we actually just got a big pile of applications, um, from, uh, they're all kind of visual studio office related products. Um, mine is basically the, the, the SharePoint part of the office developer tools. Okay. Um, which is, uh, you know, I own workflow and workflow is a component of SharePoint and it, it kind of made sense. Okay. You know, we can, since workflow is such kind of a big part of uh, SharePoint, then I can take over SharePoint as well. And then I, yeah. I'm basically owning the whole pipeline now. So, <laughs> sure. Um, it's a it's it's an interesting uh, like SharePoint itself. It, like when you when we got it, it's it's Office Developer Tools is actually really big. There's a there's a lot of code. There's a lot of designers in it for uh, Visual Studio and. Yeah. Um, when they move it to this new, what we call Visual Studio 15, uh, it's like everything's changed and you got to go through the setup and, you know, the, the whole setup of the thing has to be redone and, uh, you know, everything's broken and, you know, so it's, it's been quite an interesting thing to take on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the next one, man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like I walk around the halls every now and then and it's like I see a project going on and I'm wondering, like, you know, how many years is it going to be until I get your project? You know, Do you like they consider <laughs> you guys the Grim Reaper? You know, it's like, <laughs> bring it to me. I want it. 
<laughs> Once Dustin starts sniffing around, it's like, I got to find a new job. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of silly if you think about it, because your job is to give them, continue to give them life, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, I guess, you know, it could be a market indicator if people see you in the hallway, you know. <laughs> but if, I also wonder, do you ever get people wanting to join your team because they want to stay with a product they love? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, some people do. Yeah. I mean, some people really love a product like, uh, for instance, MSMQ. Um, there is there is one guy that does MSMQ. He loves it. But wow. it's and, it's his happy place. Uh, yeah. And say, like, for Visual Basic for applications. Um, yeah. There is actually one guy who is former Microsoft. Now he he contracts out, and from what I understand, like he he works all summer and then all winter he skis, and he you know that's the, it works out for him because you know the, the bug load is okay and right and there's no nothing like critical and it's just like it's the perfect setup for him. So yeah. It's going to be interesting when he moves on, whether he gets hit by a bus or, you know, does a Sony Bono on the skis. Did I say that out loud? That's not right. <laughs> oh, uh, smack. Oh, I but, mean, snap. I mean, we're, we're literally dealing with the bus scenario, right? There are key people now working on these mature products that mm -hmm. uh, if we lose them, we're going to have problems. So, like, uh, even it even starts when, when we take over a project. Sure. Um, you know, when we start with a new project, we're, we're basically learning from the developers that had it before, and maybe it was transferred to them like six months er earlier. So sure. it's, uh, um, they might not have a whole lot of context, and then when we get it, it's like we're trying to, to build all this knowledge. And uh, there's, you know, uh, some people like to say that code is self-documenting, but, uh, you know, when you get a huge pile of it, it's... You really want some nice documentation. <laughs> yeah, sometimes with a um, huge pile of software, the documentation is actually saying to you, we didn't know what we were doing when we wrote this. So here's a tip for anybody <laughs> who just inherited a piece of source code. The th first thing you should do is search all for the word, for the letters WTF. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good indicator that something's wrong. Yeah, generally sweeping yeah. comments for curse words is a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or who wrote this? Or uh, what was I thinking? When, when I wrote this, God and I understood it. Now only God knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, like when we take over a project, we will start getting the customer issues coming in and the, you know, customers will, uh, they'll, they'll contact us directly or through our customer support system yeah. or, or right. however it, however it ca happens. But, the expectation is like, you know, as a customer, I'm talking to Microsoft and I'm, I'm talking about this product. Uh, they're, they're experts in that product because they own that product. They mm -hmm. build that product. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But the guy that you're talking to probably didn't build that product. Like he probably, you know, he got it a couple of months ago and now he's trying to learn everything on it. So, uh, it's, it's weird because oftentimes the customer knows more about the product than the person that they're working with on the sure. Microsoft side. I mean, you talk about stuff like .NET with, that's 10 plus years old. Mm -hmm. You know, those people are VPs are working somewhere else now. So, you know, yeah. yeah, you're not dealing with people who wrote the original code. You're dealing with who inherited it la latest. Yep. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, I mean, the, the thing is we have the access to the source code, the old docs. We can try to dig up people and we can, um, we can make changes. We can test, you know, we have the whole infrastructure to, to, to ship all these changes. So we will get it. Right. Uh, but it's, it's a, you know, you know, usually like it's, we have to learn it in order for, for us to be able to, to, to solve the issue. So, so it, does it does take, take a little bit more time when you're, when you're in that situation. Are you, receiving or dealing with products that largely don't have testing infrastructures around them? Um, so say like, uh, well, let me see. Is there anything that's particularly bad? Um, hmm. I, I would say some of the Visual Studio like UI stuff is, um, is kind of difficult to test. Right. And, uh, well, actually, particularly um, sometimes the tests – they did have a whole lot of tests and they were all great, and, but they used an old infrastructure item or they used, uh, an, you know, an old lab or they used some, some testing tool that's no longer supported. Right. Um, so a lot of these times, like we'll get a, we'll get a whole set of tests, but you know, you can't run them. Don't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I have this yeah. great set of tests. We just can't actually run them. Yep. 
Yeah, and then it's the, it's the question of like, you know, we could port them, but how much, you know, is it really worth it? And uh, for some products it is, for some products it isn't. And it's it's really a case-by-case basis that we sure. go on for it. Um, oh, uh, also the, uh, I wanted to bring up about the, one of the comments made about the, during the, the Brownfield episode that you had, um, there was this right. kind of thing of like, we give the old developers the the greenfield apps and they're you know because it's kind of a reward and then right they you know the interns get all this you know they get all the crap they get the 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 projects that nobody wants to deal with and old maintenance items and i would say with our team it's it's the exact opposite huh. it's like we yeah. have interns like you know we have to give them these like flashy great projects and they come in and they're all excited and uh but then, you know, you become a full time and then you start working on these old maintenance things. <laughs> so. They're actually more interesting problems. But I think one of the things that came out with that show we did with Scott Ford was it's different personalities. You know, mm-hmm. some people find the blank screen really exciting. Find Some find it very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Digging in that the archaeological side of software, just sort of digging into what were we thinking, where were we going, and so forth. I think that could be really enjoyable too, right? And sort of, yeah. you know, the first time it's got to be super rewarding. The first time you can do a new build of an existing project hasn't been built in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those people shuffled around. You've recreated the environment. You're able to run the tests and get a build out the other side. It's like pop a bottle of champagne. That is not a small problem you've already solved and you haven't even written any code yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like, you know, for the for the, uh, the developers here, like a lot of them are very good with um, performance testing tools with... Yeah. Um, Stress investigations. They they do a lot of like debugging with with Winbag, and I mean they're uh, there's a lot of like a really amazing uh, investigative work that they do here, and it's uh it's like I think you know every developer at some point should get a chance to do this kind of work. Uh, it's and I'm you, sorry, did you, you say you Winbag? Yeah, Winbag. What's Win? that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The the, the yeah. software informer product Winbag, yeah W I N D B G. Oh okay. Oh yeah. oh okay. <laughs> so you know, like uh, Visual Studio debugging, you you can't do a whole lot with the memory, like with a heap dump in the in Visual Studio, but with um, with WinDBG, it's it's you know. You can do everything with it. You know, it's <laughs> well, and I would think this is one of the principal skills of being involved with a team like this. Is like I said, is there's a little bit of forensics involved. Just let us understand how this app actually functions, and much less what's breaking in the new OS or in the new environment or whatever those problems are. Mm-hmm. It's a diagnostics wonderland. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, the people here they really get a, a chance to do this kind of diagnostic work, and the nice thing is you see code. Um, Kind of from the other side, you're not you're you're seeing somebody has built the, some code, and you see the kind of mistakes that can be made, and I think it makes you a better developer. And I think there's, you know, I think more devs should get a chance to do this kind of for sure. Work. Yeah, it's, yes, it's it, it really you know ups your game, and now and brings home the consequences of poor decisions many many years later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they you really understand what software looks like grown up. So I got a question. What's the, uh, what's the, the, f- the funniest thing that's ever happened on the job in terms of, uh, I don't know, going through source code or, or implementing a change or a new feature, uh, something completely unexpected happened. Oh God, I wasn't prepared for that one. <laughs> well, I know that's, they can't all uh, be meatballs, Dustin. I could give you, uh, well, one example that I went through particularly, there was um, uh, a a problem with this, uh, like WCF does this interaction with MSDTC where it can do distributed transactions across WCF. Uh And when it sends messages across, the the messages have uh, uh, timeout values in them. Right. And the timeout value is just some integer. Yeah, and in the protocol, it's it's listed as it's supposed to be this int sixty four, and 
when it was implemented, it was it was uh, done with an N32. So, but normally you don't set a huge timeout. Uh, it's you just set like you know a minute or something like that. It's not something that you would normally exercise, and normally you right. see a problem. But we would get we had this problem where um, the messages that were coming in they would have these timeout values that were beyond uh, the 32-bit limit, and then they would end up negative timeouts. Whoa! And then it would throw this, yeah, it would throw these errors, and it would say, "Hey, that's uh, you know this is negative, and uh, you know this this uh, thing is invalid." But it was it was kind of intermittent, and it didn't make any sense. Um, and I investigated for quite a while, and eventually I found out um, the number itself. Like I converted it to 64-bit, and I looked at the number, and it was always the same number. And I kept looking and looking and looking, and then I was like, well, how about I just take this number and convert it to hex and see what it looks like? And mm. it's um, when I converted it to hex, it came out as B-A-A-D-F-0-0-D. Bad food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> now that's funny. It took me forever to find out, like, like bad food. What does that mean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, is somebody like play with me or so I, I figured out what it is. Um, if somebody runs a product in, in debug mode, it sets the empty memory instead of all zeros, it puts bad food <laughs> so that you know that it's, that you're using memory that you're not supposed to be using. So it'll all um, automatically throw an error. It'll throw up basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it eats bad food, it throws up. <laughs> <laughs> That's too cool. That is very awesome. <laughs> I love it. See, those are the kind of little geek stories that you never hear, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. I love that. It's a clever answer to the problem, too, if only you knew why. <laughs> yeah. If you see bad food. So, you know I, I did actually find out what it was, though. So, I, I did get it fixed. But <laughs> Right. I also noticed on your list app fabric. I thought that was a pretty new thing. So actually, there's so many things that are called app fabric. Yeah. It's it's hard to know what I'm talking about. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that term fabric has been thrown around a little too much. So it's not like Azure Fabric or Windows Fabric or another thing that was called app fabric. Or it's service um, fabric. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a product that was released back in 2012. It runs workflows and it has Velocity Cache in it. And it's kind of this bundled product that runs on IIS and you can... Uh, actually, the people that, that use this love it. Um, I, I it, remember it had, when Velocity Cache came out too. You know, that was a big mm -hmm. deal that Microsoft was going to essentially take on Memcached. This was, their, this was their alternative to that. I saw that at a tech ed many mm -hmm. moons ago. Mm. So I, I kind of have an interesting story for that because the... Um, so they came out with Velocity Cache, and then later on, they made an Azure service that was just like it. Like it was called the the Azure Managed Cache. Mm -hmm. And um, after a while, they decided that you know uh, they wanted to go to a better cache. They wanted to make a, their own. You know, they found uh, Redis Cache was really popular, and they thought, hey, let's uh, let's port it to Windows and make an Azure service out of it. And that's replaced the uh, the Azure Managed Cache, and they ended up they did that uh, they they ported Redis over to Windows, and they made the service out of it. And then they tried to convince customers to move over to um, this new Redis Cache. Um, and some customers, I mean, they they don't they don't see a reason to move over to it. No, uh, if it's working just fine. So they thought, if my, okay, if I've well, got an app that isn't broken. You know, yeah. what, well, how would you possibly, so you're asking me to change something that's working. Like, what are the chances that's going to go well? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they, they actually thought, well, okay, we can, what we can do is we can contract out the, the support. And there's some guy that really loves this and he would love to just do the support for, for the caching. But it, uh, the, the companies that were willing to pay for the support was not enough to cover 24-7 support for him, like to, to allow him to staff 24-7 support. Mm -hmm. So it didn't match. And then, uh, you know, the, the whole thing kind of fell through. And now we've got this kind of, you know, we've got caching. Uh, the Azure Managed Cache is still 
running, uh, and you can't you can't create new ones, but yeah. the existing customers are still there. Wow. Um, and there's some really big ones. Uh, and then you've got Redis Cache that's kind of going on, and those those uh, guys at Redis Cache they actually own both, and they you know huh. they're trying to convince customers to move over, but it's uh, and it's like you always try to think of like you know how can we get people to move over to this? You know, it's, uh, Mm. You know, it's it's a it's a tricky spot to be in, and it's uh, you know sometimes the group, you know, that created that, you know, like they own managed cash and they own Redis cash, and they will continue to own it. And sometimes the the old product gets shifted to another team uh, like ours. Yeah. Well, man, these are all great stories. We could go on forever, but unfortunately, we're just about out of time. So, Dustin, we'll let you get back to uh, ironing your hoodie and getting your scythe all uh, sharpened up. And and just another thank you, a big thank you for spending an hour with us here. It's been fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. You bet. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter van.